listening to Sports Radio Detroit. Grave Discussions. I am your host, Barnabas. And I am your co-host, Samael. Welcome to episode number 31. Yes. And today is a special episode, not only because it's the 31st, but also because we have a very special guest star, The Caretaker. Hey guys, what's up? What's up? We're glad to have you on the show. Um, It's been a long time coming. He and, he and I actually work with the same uh, production company locally here around Detroit uh, called Clean Slate Productions. So uh, you guys can go check all of our stuff out. But yeah, he's, he's a good friend and uh, he loves horror. So we wanted to have him on the show. Definitely. Thank you guys for having me. And uh, he's a Wes Craven expert. And uh, what's today's episode about? Uh, today's episode is about Wes Craven. Well, would you look at that? Speak of the devil. I'm right here. <laughs> <laughs> so today's episode is going to be all about the legendary horror master Wes Craven. We're going to be talking about his most notable works, uh, you know, his his lesser known films, kind of just overall about the man and definitely kind of dissecting certain things. Before we get into all of that, uh, we wanted to give a quick shout out to Sports Radio Detroit, our uh, fantastic network that has a lot of great shows, and they have a whole bunch of social media. So where are they located? They're located on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. SRD, Sports Radio Detroit, the one and only, the greatest stable of all stables. One stable to rule them all, one stable to find them all. No, that was good. That was, was that good? good? All right, cool. Yeah, I liked, I liked it. So go check out Sports Radio Detroit. And uh, we're going to go right into the news today. All right. Actually, before that, did, did you want to say anything else, Mr. Caretaker? Uh, maybe, you know, why, how you got into horror? Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, so I am a film fanatic, just like you guys are. Yes. And I began with horror when I was... At the age of two, actually. Oh, shit. Which is really young. And that movie was Child's Play. Oh, yes. First one that I ever saw, first horror film. And it actually was bought for me on accident for my birthday. Oh. My second birthday from my grandma. <laughs> w- w- she thought it was... A kid movie? A kid's movie. Yeah, Child's and Play. Didn't, didn't, yeah, <laughs> didn't check, like, you know, the rating or anything. Just, like, you know, bought it. And I watched it. And I loved it. So, like, by, you know, a couple years later, I was, like, four years old. I remember having the Chucky doll. Oh, and, shit. yeah, I had... Unfortunately, I ruined it because oh, I was man. a little kid. I wish I hadn't, but... So, yeah, and then I've... Scream, that was, like, one of the other early ones that I watched in 96 or 97 when it came out. And, uh, or shortly after it came out, I should say. And I've loved that franchise. Oh, it's forever. it's one of the best fucking franchises mm-hmm. to yeah. ever exist. And anyone who claims it's overrated, you, sir or madam, can go straight to hell, and I will see you there. 
Yeah, it, it's it's a phenomenal franchise, and I agree with you because like the first time I ever saw that franchise, I was just immediately hooked. But Same. I, I, but I kind of saw it like a little later in life, so it was it was kind of a different experience for me. But yeah, man, that's super cool. So we're glad to have you on to talk about a master because I know that you love a lot of his movies and you're passionate about them. So. Uh, that should be fun, but l- let's get right into it. Another big franchise that's going to have a new movie out this coming Friday. Uh, you already know what it is. Halloween. Oh, yeah. And this bit of news, probably to no surprise, work has already begun on the next Halloween film. So that kind of... We already know Myers, obviously, is going to survive. But will Jamie Lee Curtis reprise her role as Laurie in the sequel? We have yet to find out, and we will find out this Friday. It's a good question, and we don't know. Cause we she, won't, we I mean, know. she got grabbed by her neck and lifted into the air. So her her only hope now is for like her daughter to like grab that shotgun off the floor and put it to his mouth while he's choking Laurie, and take half his head off. Which is probably not going to happen because then they wouldn't be writing the sequel now, would they? Yeah. Um, the sources tell. Uh, bloody disgusting the work has already begun in the next movie but there is an unknown writer developing it um and that danny mcbride and david gordon green probably won't be involved oh, but shit. that could change so we might see kind of a halloween halloween one halloween two thing happen again but yeah i, I, I don't, don't know i know it's gonna keep happening oh, yeah. because uh malik akkad will not let michael die because mustafa akkad before he passed he did not want michael to ever die so i think i think all the akads like they're gonna they're gonna keep michael alive they have to because that's like that's the golden boy of you know that's their golden boy that's pretty much horror's golden boy you yeah. know so <laughs> yeah i i can agree yeah it's unfortunate that uh danny mcbride and david gordon green probably won't be involved yeah uh because i have high hopes for for this upcoming halloween like every trailer and, and snippet they... i've seen look great mm-hmm same yeah i i agree i I think it's going to be a great film it's it's interesting for sure that you know they're they might not be attached but it's still early so we don't quite know yet but again i'm not that surprised because you know that this upcoming film is just going to like break records most likely Mm -hmm. just because i mean even with like the new generation of kids and everything they're still probably like exposed to it so they've most likely seen the original film so yeah, it's it's no surprise. Yeah, the anticipation is very high for this one. Oh, dude, I've been so I, I've, I'm dying. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, <laughs> Bro, I'm, look, I'm fucking shaking. I, I just want to see this shit. All, like, we already got like this this group date planned out. Like, six of us are gonna go. Like, I'm fucking yeah. pumped, bro. Fucking pumped. Yeah, I'm really excited too. Uh, so this Friday is the new Halloween. Go see it if you get the chance. Um, and be on the lookout for the next one. Oh, this is hilarious. Yeah, so this next bit of news... The, just how you fr- like how you phrased it on text, you know, like... <laughs> yeah, this is actually... a bullet point. Like, <laughs> this is the title of like... the article, bro. <laughs> oh, is it for real? It really is. Oh, yeah. that's fucking hilarious. Wow. I know, I know. So, okay, so basically, uh, if you know about the, the little uh, horror franchise, Wrong Turn... <laughs> It looks like they're making another one. <laughs> I mean, because how else can you phrase it? How many was there so far? Eight? Like a five or six, I think. No, six? I'm pretty sure. I, six. I think they got up. I think they're no, at. I don't think they're have, eight. 
Do you do you want me to bust bust out Google to show you all eight shit films? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the first two were good. Yeah, I'm not sure, I'm not sure how many they've made, but I, I know that they at least went to six or seven. The franchise spawned five sequels, so six no, so six, six movies. Jeez, man! Like <laughs> now, now it's just shark jumping. Well, I'm, I don't know. With how like garbage the last like three of them were, I'm pretty sure it was shark jumping. Like, I mean, a long how, time how ago, many but... radioactive cannibal hillbillies are there really? Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, like isn't it always like the same ones? It really is. Well, but, but there's like twelve different movies about eighteen different cannibal families. So, yeah, like, that's true. I guess they're more common than we think. The the first one honestly was not that bad, but I don't know why they made the rest of them. But they're coming out with a new one. And <laughs> that's really, I guess, all there is to say about it. It's got a kind of a new, like, premise. Uh, so they're going back to Harper's Ferry, West Virginia. Uh, it's about, like, uh, a, probably a group of friends or something spending a couple days hiking the Appalachian Trail, and they're confronted by the Foundation, a community of people who have lived in the mountains since before the Civil War. Oh, shit. So, I mean, it sounds like some hills have eyes, like, two the remake type you know stuff all right yes right. come join our we are a good community we are and then they just yeah. eat people like <laughs> so i don't know mr caretaker have you uh, do you have an opinion on the wrong turn films um well i've only seen i think the first two or three of them the first one i thought was all right but yeah. the other ones not so much that's why i stopped watching them i didn't really care for them that much to be honest and i and i haven't heard that good of things about four five and six Fuck so no. <laughs> not very excited to go out and watch those ones either unfortunately so for this follow-up i'm not really sure about this one i agree a thousand percent because i've seen the first two and not the, the next 48 of them so i'm probably not going to see this one yeah i i pretty much share you guys' uh, feelings about that so next up is something else that honestly i'm not sure what to think about <laughs> But if any of you have seen that garbage fire that was uh, <laughs> Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Hey, hey, hey. I, I saw that, all right? I saw it at the $2 movie theater, and it was mediocre like, at like, worst. I'm not saying that you're a terrible person if, you, if you've seen and liked this movie, but you're probably a terrible person. <laughs> wow, thanks a lot, Barnabas. Hey, no, I'm just telling how it is, guys, okay? But uh, there's going to be a brand new series developed based in the abraham lincoln uh vampire hunter world and um it's supposed to be so i guess it's kind of like a supernatural type thing where there's just going to be like monsters and all kinds of stuff but it's following like a detective so it's going to be another like proceed like edgy procedural i'd like to interject what's up with this fucking phase in fucking movies where like Hansel and Gretel, except one of them's possessed, or like Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, or, or the vampire who drank tomato juice. What's up with all these wacky ass fucking dark comedy movies coming? The only like one that. Mixing history and historic, like, stories with vampires. Yeah. Or just weird, just <laughs> weird, like, sci fi or anything, any it's, sort of it's route. It's so, that like, they obscure. Take it down. It's so obscure and random. Like,. When bro, do you remember when you first fucking saw the trailer for Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter and you're like, what is this fucking load of fucking horse semen that's yeah. coming to theaters? Like mm -hmm. it's it's shit, bro. Like we just the title, bro, the title. Those four words should never be in the fucking same <laughs> sentence unless is not a is in between them. <laughs> like 
Yeah, I agree. Remember that Pride and Prejudice and, and Zombies <laughs> or oh, something? Oh, yeah. I had to watch that, bro. I had to do like a report on that <laughs> because I had to try to compare it to the original Pride and Prejudice. Oh. So I had to sit through this like awful fucking garbage movie for like two hours and it was like the worst like thing i've ever seen in my life i i, I don't know all like all this oh, can God. be described as is fuckery like there's i think they're just getting high and like yo what if we what if we made abraham lincoln event would that be hilarious like that, that's exactly what happened and he's like yes i throw five million dollars at you <laughs> and you know what's funny someone someone looked at the script that said abraham lincoln vampire hunter and said yeah, I will give you millions of dollars for this shit. Like, think about that shit. Yeah, it's. I, I don't. Even, I don't even know. There, there is like a sect of people who actually like those like books. There, because there's other ones. There's like uh, I don't remember, but it's Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, and there, there's some other type of shit like that, like some old English dr romance drama. But there's like a Lovecraftian squid monster on the cover or something mm -hmm. like. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't quite understand it. I think it's cool if you want to like try and do s something to that effect. But like, you're literally just ripping off one thing and just adding like werewolves into it. You know, like, th have you guys heard of that movie Helen Keller versus uh, werewolves or whatever? You see, this is the kind of movies I'm talking about, and now <laughs> it I, exists. It I really, exists. you know, why? I hope they have a resurgence because comedy movies aren't so funny anymore. Yeah, because like I don't know. Obviously, these but aren't. They're not even like trying to be funny. They're was this just really bad. was this really horror worthy? Like I don't know. <laughs> well, I think so because it's this detective tracking down a five hundred or working with a five hundred year old vampire to I don't know solve supernatural mysteries. So you know what? I'll give the first episode of sh a shot. If it's like completely awful, which I imagine it will be, then I'll never watch it again. I want to hear what caretaker has to say about this. Well. <laughs> I so I have seen Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, Same. and it is mediocre at best. Yeah, but I can say that there were a, there were a couple cool sequences in it. Yeah, it was kind of bad. That seemed pretty badass. Yeah. I thought, and I enjoyed them. And I can't say that I didn't. Uh, so. I am not like necessarily looking forward to this. <laughs> yeah, but. I may be interested in checking it out. Right? I mean, now that I think about it, I don't know. It while it is like really obscure, like these type of movies, and they're hilarious. Like they're they they are kind of badass. Like to, like I'm not gonna deny that, but to me, the premise is what bothers me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's that's, that's exactly where I'm coming from. It's just like a really goofy premise, and it's like hard to get over that. But then if you're watching it and it's there's, there's cool things going on then it's yeah you know but i like abraham lincoln vampire hunter wasn't that good of a movie i yeah, didn't yeah. think like it wasn't that memorable i just remember a couple badass scenes in it yeah that were like cool those moments but other than that i didn't you know i, so. I feel you yeah i mean yeah you I'm pretty much it, the same way. i have seen it it's okay. i th i think it's a trash fire <laughs> <laughs> but but you know all right listen you know i I can get behind why you think there are a couple like cool scenes, but honestly, I never no, had that idea in my mind I just, when I was watching. I just thought the premise was just very weird. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you know what movie does it right? Wacky Dracula, Dead and Loving It. Like, oh yeah, well that's like a straight up parody. Also, it's Mel Brooks, and he can do no wrong. Oh, so. this isn't a parody of. 
This, no, is, a, said, this is a I vampire said, parody. This is a fucking. <laughs> this is a fucking political parody. There's some political propaganda in this movie somewhere. Werewolves mean something, or yeah. vampires, wherever the fuck he's hunting. <laughs> yeah, most likely. So let's move on. We've got a couple of new trailer announcements to talk about, and then we're gonna get into the meat of the podcast, which is our Wes Craven discussion. But uh, this next uh, trailer is actually. Uh, something from another horror legend, Stephen King, and it's the new Pet Cemetery. There's a tra- trailer that just dropped, and uh, have either of you seen it? Yeah, I, I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna be dope. Yes, uh, it, I, I agree. It, it looks really, really good. I think it looks like it has very solid potential, and I think it can be a really cool remake. I, I, I think if they just don't like, th- this is a movie like. Where they can't like you, they can't like tease us with the jump scares. I think movies have been doing that too much. So it'll be like so pause, pause, tease, nothing happens. Deep breath from the protagonist. Protagonist turns around. Four seconds later, boom. What we need in Pet Cemetery, I I don't agree when people say jump scares are all shit. We need like jump scares that like there's five seconds of anticipation and that shit just happens. I I think Pet Cemetery can work without jump scares, but like. Let's be real. It's not really a, one of those atmospheric movies. Like, looking back at the original, it's not an atmospheric movie. It's what was happening that was horrific. It wasn't, like, mm-hmm. the whole feel. It was, like, the whole depression, family loss, and all that stuff put together. So this one, like, I like the cinematography in this. I, I like who they who they cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like now that there's, like, a second kid, right? There are, that, yeah, were, they always had two kids, but, like, the daughter in the original just, like wasn't I don't, quite I, as relevant I don't as, remember her and I just wa- I just watched this like two months ago yeah, and I she don't was remember. there it was her cat Church. oh was it yeah but yeah she wasn't like that important or anything necessarily so you didn't like focus that much on her but yeah they, they, they always had two kids but yeah what do you think yeah I think I think it looks I think it looks good I, I I agree with the casting I I like the casting where where they went with it the uh from the trailer I think that um it looks real interesting. The cinematography, from a cinematography standpoint, it looks yeah. That's the first thing I look at. Honestly, really cool. So do I. Um, I, I do that. Cause so, I, I hate shitty but, camera work. Yeah. I fucking I hate it with like a passion. <laughs> it, but it, it also like if they do it right, it can really have a lot of meaning for the story too. Oh yeah. Like for you know like for for visual uh, representation of different things. Um, so, and I think that, you know, from the trailer, it looks like it could actually like really be meaningful in this film. So I think that from that standpoint, it looks really cool. It, I feel it's going to have like, it seems like it has like the same, uh, I, I would say a little bit more of like a serious feel than like the original. Like they're both like, nothing's really going on at first. It's just a fam, And then boom, you know, like then mm-hmm. it, that sudden shift in like story and their whole lives change immediately after this one event and like yeah this seems like it's gonna do it pretty well too like i'm i'm pumped when is this coming out april fucking yep april 5th yeah i know it's, it's you see a what I, do, you, do you see what i meant like when i said like two weeks ago every movie that like i want to see when i see the trailer comes out like a year from when i see it and every movie that it looks like it's going to be shit is going to be released like two weeks from when i see the trailer like it's just uh, i hate waiting so long for these movies because it feels like an eternity like yeah i i I know what you mean dude but i i agree that the like cinematography of this new film 
looks a lot darker and I, it, yeah not that the first movie wasn't serious but it's just the way that i think they're playing with like the lighting and everything but yeah it's noticeably darker it, it's kind of looks like more polished but i like the atmosphere i like jason clark um i love jason clark you know and particularly john lithgow kind of i still can't see him overtaking the original dude i forget his name forgive me but, I forget his name too, but yeah, I ground is sour. <laughs> I do think John Lithgow can do a, a good job, um, but yeah, f- f- um, his name, whatever his name that yeah. is, that we're forgetting, uh, he was fantastic, and that's that's who who I'll always see as that as that character. character. Yeah, same. They even had him on, uh, I think, it was a South Park when they were doing the Pet Cemetery like fucking spoof. <laughs> Don't bury a boy, though. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, so I'm pumped for it. The one thing that I saw people talking about mostly was, like, the kids with the masks. So I don't know how you guys feel about that. Personally, I don't even think it's going to be, like, that big of a deal, like, in the movie. It's probably going to be, like, it's just, like, a visual, you know, thing just taking you there to that moment. Uh, explain Like, when they explain, you know, like, oh, these kids were burying their animals and they come back to life and, you know, yeah. shit like that. <laughs> Whatever, whatever they're gonna do. Right? Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it. I I'm sure it's gonna have something, you know, lesser to do with the actual story than what it is in the preview. But oh, yeah. I think that the shot looked cool in the preview. So Fuck I mean, yeah. I'm not I'm not bitching about it. But I agree with what you guys said about like it being darker though. Yeah, it does I, look I re- darker I, than the original. I really like the coloring, like the color grading, and everything looks, you know real it, like it has a real interesting like color palette to it yeah i i really liked it i like i like like i'm into like you already know me i'm into like super atmospheric movies with like great cinematography like for example the woman in black that was like a perfect movie for me so like if if it's all in how you make the audience feel like sure like you can make them feel like you know like the original bad with like horrific shit happening like him getting ran over but like the the initial tone of the movie wasn't like it was like kind of sunny you know this movie's kind of different you know this movie doesn't it's kind of like it's very gloomy like the setting the the setting sets the tone for like what's going to happen it kind of hints at it like it's mm-hmm. that's what i really liked about it yeah apparently also that truck was cgi which i i couldn't quite catch it as being cgi but I don't know. Anyway, Wait, people the, bitch about everything. In the, in the, in the, trailer. In the trailer. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. for real? I don't know, but oh. <laughs> possibly. I didn't notice. Why would they but. use a CGI truck when they could? <laughs> well, uh, budget might be a problem. Canada. Yeah, you know how people are lazy now. Like, yeah, if you can fucking computer generate it, just put it in there. You know? Yeah, I kind of take. Uh, it kind of fucking yeah. makes me want to puke. That bums me out a little yeah. bit. But if if it looks good enough, and I mean, I I know the original was. I, of course, they're probably not going to beat that. And the sound for the truck as oh, yeah. it passed by and everything. Yeah, that yeah. was, you know. But hopefully the sound in this one is, it actually makes the CGI better. I, I hope so. Yeah, it, it, it seemed okay. Um, but let's move on. We're, I'm going to kind of quickly go through the next couple so we can get into our main discussion here. But uh, the next one is called Antrim. And this is, actually, I'm not even sure if it's like a real documentary, although I imagine not because it's a very like i don't know far-fetched kind of idea but if you've ever seen the masters of horror episode for cigarette burns that john carpenter directed this is very similar to that except like this isn't quite like a narrative it's basically there's a documentary 
that's bookending like stuff from the actual film, but it's about a film that's been like lost. And apparently it, you know, makes people get killed or kill themselves or whatever. It's like, it's a very like violence inducing film. Yeah. And you know, it's been shown at like only like a couple things. So very much like already a cigarette burns type plot. And, um, so it's just kind of like, like showing interviews with people talking about it and stuff like that. So, um, this is set to premiere at the Brooklyn horror film festival and uh which is actually happening october 14th i believe is when this movie is screening so if you go to that festival you can check it out but it sounds pretty cool to me i'm, I'm interested i'm always interested in like the, the documentary mockumentary style and especially with like, what the, like, the premise is it sounds really cool uh, i'm kind of scared because like i can just picture it now like i it feels like there's gonna be like of course there's gonna be like you know some sort of like horror elements to it you know like people butchering each other but i feel like this is going to be more of like a thriller yeah i think it sounds interesting yeah i i agree it looks cool if you're at the book and the horror film festival you can go check it out the next one up also seems really interesting to me it's more of a sci-fi horror but i, I really like those it's called await further instructions and it's available right now in theaters and on vod basically the movie is about this like family that gets together and uh, while they're like having dinner, they, I think, I think they like hear something or, or just there's just like weird stuff going on. But like they hear something on the TV, I think, and they go look at it. And on the TV is written, "Await further instructions," or something. You know, then there's like something preceding it, I think. But and then they f- like find that they can't get out of their house. There's this like black substance on the outside of the house that's like preventing them from leaving. And just all kinds of like weird stuff is happening while they're trying to figure out what's going on. And they like keep seeing stuff on the TV that's telling them what to do and everything. So sounds pretty cool. I hope it's not one of those movies where like it's like it's 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 dope. And like until like basically you get to the end and find out what the creature actually is, then you're just kind of like bummed out because I hate I hate experiencing those movies. Like I, I watched Apartment 212 and like. I wasn't like completely let down with the creature, but like I was pretty much kind of let down. Like <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Not completely, but I was like, ah, I don't want to like, I don't want this to be like a, a mystery movie. Like, oh, what's going on? And then like the last ten minutes of the movie, we see what what it really is, and then we're like, fuck this movie. Yeah, see, that, that's my problem with like these like creature type movies, like that try to hide the creature until like the last thirty minutes or like the last twenty minutes of the movie, and then it turns out to be like a dud and you're just like, yeah ah. that's unfortunate when it's when it's a dud in the end but when it when it pays off oh, and, it's, yeah. and it's awesome then it, then it really works but you gotta i guess you gotta have the right creature and the right budget for that we'll but see <laughs> for this one i think this sounds really interesting so does this take place on christmas is this gonna be like a christmas type movie i don't know if it's gonna be so christmas type in the way of like you know like krampus or something like that but uh, I mean, yeah, it's, I think I believe it's supposed to be taking place on Christmas. I like that. Which, yeah, which is yeah. kind of cool. I don't know if they're going to incorporate any of those elements, but I mean, it's it's really for like the family aspect because that seems like it's going to be a big like theme through this movie. Uh, so we'll we'll see what exactly happens. The trailer is like pretty interesting because there's already kind of like a lot of sci-fi elements that kind of happen. So um, I'm I'm pumped for it. It should be out now if you guys want to go check it out. You said it's on uh, 
Where can we find it? it so it's available in theaters, probably just like some. So you could probably just search for it or you can get it um, for video on demand so you can rent it. Oh, I could probably get nice. it from, we could probably check out Comcast after this. Yeah, yeah. I, that's how I found Summer of 84. Yeah. yeah. Right. Have you ever seen that? No, I'm, I I definitely want to though. Oh, I, I talked to him so about it. So good. It's like painfully good. It like, is. It is really good. Like you want to watch it fifty times, but you don't want to like ruin like. Mm. You don't. You don't want to ruin it. You don't want it to become one of those movies where you're like, can't watch that for another three years. You know, like. Right. I'm excited for this one though. And uh, further instructions. And yeah, it sounds cool. And now, Stand Against Evil season three. I did not even know about this. We probably yeah. talked about it, but my memory is terrible. <laughs> I see. Like season two, I think I just found out was on Hulu because like I watched season one on Hulu and then I season two wasn't on Hulu and then I go back to it like a few months ago and now season two is on Hulu and I was confused yeah. as fuck as like, yo, when are, when am I getting all of these? Like, yeah. Usually like they'll release the, you know, like newest season of a show right before like the actual new season is going to air. Yeah. So like, I don't know, it's usually like a few weeks to a few months beforehand or something. So that would have just dropped, but I love the show a lot. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but I do like the show a lot. It's, it's a horror comedy, but so it, it's kind of lighthearted, but it's, it's really cool. I mean, it's kind of like goofy comedy, but the creature makeup and everything. And it's, it's very cool. And it's, it's always like an interesting kind of plot. And it's, it's heavily, heavily like, you can tell heavily inspired by like evil dead and ash versus evil dead like it's yeah very similar i haven't i haven't seen it yet as we uh discussed before the show but i have always wanted to so i'm definitely going to be checking that out soon oh dude it's so dope like it it's not dull at all like i'm telling you first episode shit starts happening immediately and that's why i fucking love this show like mm-hmm. i mean I don't like a show that kind of like cock teases us until like the last minute and then you got to wait for for the next episode to partially get in on one glimpse of like the creature or demon or whatever you're watching and then yeah and then the rest of the season they show it too much and then you're just like all right well that was shit like this right off the bat shit just starts going haywire mm-hmm. and like they're they're good at making like the the story like flow nicely it's not just like they're throwing like random shit ideas over and over in like the first season just to keep it alive you know like that's what i really liked about it is and it doesn't take itself too seriously while maintaining like how good it really is you know what i'm saying like yeah it doesn't take itself seriously like at all but it's like super super funny and it has a lot of substance if you pay attention to like the to like the metaphors like in it like it's just it's just really good all around i think like you should definitely we, we're gonna check it out today fuck it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm 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 pumped for that because I really like the show. I have finished the first two seasons, but season three coming out actually on Halloween Day, which is Wednesday, October thirty first this month on IFC, and they usually show it late, so just check out when it is. But that's coming out really soon. Uh, hopefully, you're excited for it. If you haven't, you can go binge them, and it's a super bingeable show. And honestly, there aren't like a ton of episodes. It's pretty short, so just binge watch it and get ready i binge watched the first season uh took me three nights but i i finished the first season and i was very sad because hulu didn't have the second but now that it's out and now the third season's coming out i think i'm gonna finish the second season like right before this third season gets released that way like i don't like being not up to date on like the episodes like i've missed like the past like i think five of castle rock and like i have to catch up like yeah, I actually just started Castle Rock, so I watched the first episode. But um, 
speaking of uh, Stand Against Evil, how long are the episodes? I think they're like they're thirty minutes, right? Yeah, like give or take, it's like you know a little less than they're probably like twenty three minutes or something. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, you can binge that fast then. Fuck so yeah, those I'll, I'll, I'll those be doing that. The hour long boys are hard though. Like those, those it's kind of hard to like maintain my fucking focus. Yeah, I completely understand. But uh, let's move on, guys. To the God. Yes, we're going to be talking about the Master Wes Craven. But right before we get into that, we just wanted to uh, let the other guys on our network, Sports Radio Detroit, give you a few words about their excellent shows. Hi, this is Chris. And this is Roger. And if you like Tigers baseball, Major League Baseball, Minor League Baseball, analytics, pop culture references, movies, sports, food... Check us out. Look for Tigers SRD on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. Do you love pop culture? Discussions about pop culture? Ranking and rating treasured pieces of that shared culture against each other? I, ju- I mean, I do think Flea's a good bass player. He does what he does very well. And like I said, he's he's a he's like a rock star, you know. He's eccentric. What is so funny? What I just didn't like? know he talked so long about flea. I, d- I didn't know anybody had so many just, feelings. I do. So I, many. I feelings. got feelings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Music, movies, television, food, sports, pro wrestling. We are the determination of what is over or underrated across all fields of greater cultural consumption. Subscribe and review on Apple Podcasts and Podbean, or visit us at sportsradiodetroit.com. Over under fair. Your final word in pop culture relevance. All right, we're back, and we're going to be talking about the icon, the master, the legend himself, Wes Craven. So, this guy grew up in Ohio. The one good thing, in my opinion, to come from Ohio. Oh, shit. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> be, be nice to our fellow Midwesterners. I got friends there. No. We have a rivalry with them. I'm not, I don't treat them nice. Oh, I'm not into sports, so <laughs> I don't care about... Who wins what at this games. at this point? I'm pretty sure it's like a real rivalry between states. But anyway, <laughs> this guy grew up in o- in Ohio. He, he he like got an undergrad degree in like two subjects, and then he got a master's in like two subjects from Johns Hopkins, and then he went off to make pornos. <laughs> Good old Wes Craven making porno. That's how we got into film. It's fun. That's that's probably how I would get into film. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I, but I wouldn't. <laughs> I'm not a pervert. I would handle the lighting. Right. Yeah, I'm sure you would. I'm, I'm sure you'd light it all up. I'd, I'd prepare the set. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. I bet you would. You dirty bastard. So anyway. Who, who would have thought that one of the greatest, and it's not even like, you can't argue, one of the greatest horror directors to ever exist used to be on a porn set. Began in porn. And... <laughs> He also started late in his life too, and went into film. I think he was in his thirties, right? Holy Thir- shit. Like thir- thirty or, well, I don't know, early thirties. I don't know. Damn. Directly out of being a professor, went into porn, the porn industry. What was going on in his life that, you know, this professor stuff isn't cutting it. I'm gonna go into porn, and then he's like, yeah. you know, this porn stuff isn't cutting he, it. He had to have like friends that were in film or in porn or something, because. I mean, based on, like, what I read, it kind of said that it was, like, the lucrative porn industry. That was when porn... That was, like, the golden age of porn, basically, was back then. Because even Wes Craven had uh, some part... It's undisclosed, but some part 
and Deep Throat, which is like the famous like porno from that age or whatever. So mm-hmm. it was it was super it was paying well. Like it was paying well. His influence is everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> I did hear about that. So but you know, everybody's gotta start somewhere and that's where he started. He he probably just had connections in that industry and that's where he began his career in film. Yeah, his and his first actual job in like film Aside from the porno, is that's not the film industry. I mean, technically, but his first actual job, <laughs> his first actual hater, job, hater, hater. Uh, hey, I, I don't hate porn. I'm just saying, but <laughs> but his well, first what, real okay. job was as a sound editor for Harry Chapin, who would uh, you know eventually become a huge like folk rock singer star. Uh, folk rock. Yeah, that's that's folk rock. What the fuck is folk? I know there's classic rock, there's which we call rock and roll. So what's folk rock like? Uh, it's just like I don't know. I can't. Who who's like, like folk like rock? Johnny Fleetwood Cash? Mac or something like Fleetwood Mac? I yeah, think it's like folk rock. Yeah, they would be. They Fleetwood would probably Mac? be considered uh, folk rock. Oh, they're not bad at, in any sense of the word bad. So I mean, still folk rock. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing. And uh, then you know, I wanted to say uh, the porno thing. I don't know what he was doing exactly, you know, but it makes sense. I think leading up to his first like directorial feature, the last house on the left, because yes, as more of an exploitation film, uh, you know, it's, it's existed this whole time, but a lot of people kind of group it into horror. And I, I kind of think that it is, but you know, with, with everything that happened in that movie, I don't know. It's kind of weird to think like, oh yeah, it made sense because he was in, in porn. You know, yeah, but, that's kind of. But that's horrifying. It, he, he's it, it on this probably like natural to him. I think he just on the porn set. He's just sitting there. You know what I want to do to these people? <laughs> like, he's just fucking. I'm gonna make a movie about it just so I don't have to do it. But I want you guys to know what I felt like. Who knows? That's fucking. It's yeah. Got, yeah, I, I I don't know. That's interesting. <laughs> you he, did that, Barnabas. You took us to that dark place. Listen, I'm not trying to besmirch him or anything like that, but I'm just saying it's an interesting kind of like correlation. No, you're not you know? saying it's an interesting. You said it, here's it's an interesting thing to fucking make theories about, motherfucker. That's what you're saying. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's a conspiracy theory for sure. Right. Anyway, I'm just saying like those elements. There has to be a subreddit there. about those elements that. are existing like in the broad daylight in the last house on the left. Yeah. Though. So. It's still it, it's a good directorial debut, even though oh, it's yeah. a uh, you know exploitation flick. It's probably one it's, of the first ones. I mean, oh yeah, definitely of of the early ages for yeah. sure. Well, not early ages, but you know what I mean. You know, and then we've gone from the that early to, to, era of film. Oh yeah, like when it started becoming like really out there because like not everyone was going out seeing movies. So people were like movies. Right. I'm just gonna sit home and make some tea. See, like you know, because that's how older people talk, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, yeah, color color films had just you know started becoming popular back then too. Oh yeah, they were mostly black and white. You know, before you know, early in the '60s and whatnot. So yeah, and then that's before sound got introduced too. Remember, Nosferatu well, didn't have anything. Yeah, that was did. like the you know '30s and '40s and stuff. But yeah, I mean, it it was a rough subject matter for sure. And then he went on to do The Hills Have Eyes, also a horror staple but kind of a lot well it was a little bit more interesting just because it's like this cannibal family like mutants and stuff he, like st- that, he started that you know 
Like, Wes Craven started the whole cannibal family, like, hillbilly cannibal family thing. Yeah. I would say. And fun fact for anybody out there, or you guys, if you don't know this, but The Hills Have Eyes was rated X when it first came out. Oh, shit. So, you know, not the first, you know, film that he probably worked on that was rated X, but Mm -hmm. it's just another correlation. It's an interesting correlation. I was going to say, that that bald cannibal dude... yeah, it wasn't rated X for... It was just rated X for the violence. Yeah. Was it really? Yeah, oh. it, it wasn't rated X for any sort of sexual, you know... Oh, yeah. Things or, you know, nudity or anything like Surprisingly. that. Surprisingly. <laughs> Although I know in in the remake, like, one of the mutants rapes that girl. But did, did something like that happen in the original? I think so, right? It, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I know they attack... It's the same story. They attack, you know, the camper and... And they're, you know, uh, messing with the with the girls. And I think I, I can't remember if it if it actually happens or if it's just like him trying to rape her or whatever it is. But um, that happens in the original, though. If yeah, I'm remembering correctly, I haven't I didn't refresh my memory before this uh, episode with the Hills Have Eyes, unfortunately, but. It seemed like as his films progressed, like, he stopped using, like, that as, like, the shock factor. Like, cause it's like, last house on the left, rape, hills have eyes, sexual assault attempted or yeah. maybe done. And then, you know, Swamp Thing, it was like, all right, we got to chill out. Like, how <laughs> yeah. about how about just a kooky movie? Well, like, you his, know? <laughs> his, his writing definitely matured, for sure. But he's still stuck with horror. He made uh, some other, like, kind of lesser known stuff, like Stranger in Our House, otherwise known as Summer of Fear. He did uh, Deadly Blessing, which is actually kind of like a cult. It's kind of similar to like Children of the Corn, except without like the kids. It's just like this cult movie and that kind of setting. And then, yeah, he randomly did Swamp Thing, which I haven't actually seen. I was meaning to watch it, but it looked pretty cheesy. Um, But then 1984 and he did A Nightmare on Elm Street. But did you guys watch any of those ones that he did before Nightmare on Elm Street? Mm Mm-mm. No, I haven't. I, I wanted to. I, I've looked into them, but I haven't seen any of them. I heard. I I do know what uh, Swamp Thing is and uh, Deadly Blessing, and um, Swamp Thing does, like you said, look kind of like you know cheesy, but like you know cool in a cheesy kind of way. Oh yeah, it was the eighties. I mean, so. it also has that Wes Craven touch. So how how could it not be probably you know pretty cool, especially you know that he's doing these films right in between The Hills Have Eyes and. A Nightmare on Elm Street. All right. He was pretty consistent in, like, how he was releasing these movies. Like, sure, there was, like, maybe, like, a brief time period, like, a few years, where there'd be, like, a space between films, two, three years. But, like, he was very consistent, though. Like, he has a lot under his resume. Even, like, he was he was still making movies up until, like, bro, 2010 with My Soul to Take. Like, yeah. And I... And that was more of like a like a scream slash I know what you did last summer slash Cherry Falls type slasher, but like I th- I think he did a really good job with that one because like the ending is kind of like this is one of those movies like you think you figured it out and at the end like you realize you haven't figured it out then you're like aha I see like you know yeah so let's talk a little bit about one of the greatest horror franchises but definitely let's face it, the highlight of Wes Craven's career, at least until 1996, but still the movie that he's best known for, which is A Nightmare on Elm Street. And we don't have to talk about the entire 
franchise because this was actually the only one I believe that he directed and then the rest just kind of followed suit like the other great horror franchises you know I think this is the most uh, one of the most I this is the most original idea for a slasher was Freddy because Michael Myers I mean there was Billy from Black Christmas before Myers and John Carpenter had a lot of influence from Bob Clark's Billy from Black Christmas and and from you know Leatherface was a slasher obviously 1974 four years before Michael but Freddy was like his no one would have thought to bring a, like a former child killer that can only kill you into when he brings you into the dream world and your fear feeds him like I mean that hadn't been done at all prior to Nightmare on Elm Street the original so Wes Craven's like he's he had one of like I, he he had the most original slasher I would say besides like you know Chucky because nothing like Chucky had been really done before there have been like killer dolls like in in tourist trap you know but like those were like you know done with like necromancy or whatever the fuck that guy that witchcraft that that guy was doing mm. so like yeah I think My, Michael Myers too he was kind of a, he was in the he, he was in the 70s yeah but we still had a Billy from Black Christmas before oh and, yeah yeah John sure. Carpenter was yeah. highly inspired mm-hmm. by Bob Clark and Big time. we had Leatherface so like yeah Leatherface was like the silent I would say silent killer but he made like noises so like and after Myers was Jason and then like and then all those Mm -hmm. 80s like Myers and Jason knockoff movies like you know I don't want to say Madman because it's it's good but like Madman's like a Jason knockoff slow lumbering big killer killing off teenagers like that became the thing but Freddy was like the one that was like different from all of them he wasn't just like some crazy dude or like some you know someone coming back like for some like revenge in like the real world he was like a right. dream demon up yeah until... freddy's circumstances were a little bit different they were they were more clever and in oh a, yeah w- in a more scary way because you know everybody sleeps hell yeah <laughs> you know everybody sleeps so everybody can relate everybody's had a nightmare in their life everybody can relate to that hell yeah so the you know the point you know the scariest driving point of that movie is that you know you could get attacked and you can die in your sleep. Exactly. It's like, it gives you the same... Freddy, I know we all, like, were born around the same time. In our era, the three things we were scared of as kids was Bloody Mary, Candyman, saying their names in the mirror, or Freddy Krueger getting us in our dreams. Like, those were, like, <laughs> those were, like the big things right. for me. Like, I remember my mom telling me she had nightmares about Freddy when she was, like younger and i was like oh man yeah you see like the power that this movie has like, yeah for I, real my my stepdad and my mom you know they told me that they had nightmares about him when they were little because you know that that movie came out when they were they were kids yeah so that that that's you know and everybody's even kid you know kids sleep yeah. so like these are things that kids would think about but not only kids even adults and kids dream heavy too so like if yeah. they dream about freddy they dream about freddy like intensely like that's what i hate about being a kid these intense ass nightmares ever see a horror movie like like nightmare on elm street and for like two weeks you're just avoiding freddy in your dreams waking up with like fucking cold sweats and shit in the middle of the night hoping hoping that is this shit real bro like yeah that was why i really like the first movie I, I think honestly might be in like my top 10 horrors. But oh yeah, yeah it, it's, definitely. It, it's my, it was my first introduction to Wes Craven. It was the first film of him of his I watched and I watched it when I was pretty young too. So 
I, I think I did have some nightmares about Freddy at one point because yeah, in the first movie he was like legitimately scary because they didn't have him like quite so exposed all the time and like intentionally like corny funny like he did have some some you know kind of funny lines but he was more menacing in the first film he was like cloaked in shadows more often and just yeah the way that they like framed him and shot him was much more like enticing and and terrifying than the way that they you know made him in every other movie but Wes Craven wanted him to be like legitimately terrifying and I think in the first movie he was and it was helped a lot by all of the great like practical effects that they had in the first one too oh yeah big time there was a lot of awesome practical effects in the first one and like you said uh reading reiterating your point of uh, the shadow usage in the first one uh and how they like developed freddy as you know his character and this this really menacing like demon that can like haunt you in your dreams and kill you and you know you you're helpless to the whole situation and how they just like brought that to life in the first one before you know the later ones they start to get you know real cheesy and corny and and they were just kind of desperate they were making freddie more you know uh silly than anything else you know that's why you know down the line those ones kind of ruined ruined it but the the first one like you said yes he was he was terrifying in the first one and uh, the imagery for for you know the the kills in the first one are iconic yeah for you know the the from from the slashing in the beginning when she's on the ceiling yep and you know th- that that whole scene and and the, you know the guys freaking out um or, or uh when Glenn Johnny Depp's character is uh, being eaten by his bed and yes. and the blood just shoots out of his bed. Like the imagery is just it's it's amazing in that film, and that's really like that's what that's what the driving force of Freddy is. Like that's who that's what Freddy can do, and that's what makes that film so scary. That first one, that first one especially, like like you said with the imagery. Like one of the first things I remember from my childhood is that that scene when glenn gets pulled into the bed and that blood shoots into the ceiling like that stuck with me and like like you said barnabas in the first one he was actually menacing like there was some mystery to him there he wasn't like throwing out a one-liner every five seconds now you got rick and morty making fun of freddy because like in out you can run but you can't hide bitch you remember scary terry from rick and morty (laughs) yeah and that's kind of like you know mocking like the the rest of like the freddy movies because part one and two i think he was pretty serious and i liked him part three mm-hmm. is when he started getting silly like because because like but i loved part three you know like but that's kind of like i loved it but that did contribute to the whole like death sort of yeah in in the other movies though freddy was like he talked like way too much he he, he like he tried to be too serious that, that made him like not scary you know like he had like I'm gonna while they're in the dream world like there's they're having like a little sequence where for some reason he's not killing them and he's just talking to them and like yeah then you had the dream baby and I don't know what the fuck happened with that yeah the the rest of the franchise (laughs) not that good with the exception of and I actually it slipped my mind but I didn't know about this before I'm, I'm sorry but he did do new nightmare as well which is my it might actually be my first favorite but I I don't know I can't put it above the original but that's what new, I was saying. New, new Nightmare, also directed by Wes Craven. He he is this franchise because those the, the other films that had nothing to do with Wes Craven, 
really like you know if he's not directing it it's it's honestly it's not that great in my opinion because he brought back that menacing scary freddy which is how it always should have been and uh the approach as well with like incorporating like the real world in new nightmare was also phenomenal with just like heather langenkamp as heather langenkamp yeah. you know and like was Cra- you know whatever was craven as was craven yeah. yeah, so I I love that movie. Me too. Yeah, that was definitely one of the better sequels in the bunch. Uh it was it was just it was fun. It was it just bringing oh, yeah. bringing her back and ha- and having her play herself and he he's playing himself and and it and Freddy's in real life like mm-hmm. that's that's a terrifying experience too. <laughs> yeah, and and honestly, I'll say this much as well. If you ask me like what's one of the like coolest or like scariest just like shots out of out of a horror movie i would probably say in new nightmare when freddy was like in the hospital and he was like upside down hanging yes. from the ceiling and he was just like he had his claw going like that that was a great fucking shot so the he cinematography looked terrifying. That, he did yeah because he looked more like a demon with the makeup mm-hmm. and that was actually probably my favorite freddy look as well like the makeup so they had a scene in Freddy versus Jason where Freddy looked super demonic too, like he, his eyes yeah. were like yellow, his skin was red, and he looked like his ears were more pointy, so he looked more like a demon. And like I, I love scary Freddy because like Robert England was terrifying in the initial one, so like there's all there's so much potential to make for Freddy even more terrifying, but like they they just like <clears throat> they just kind of like I don't know they just they, he didn't live out his full potential I don't think. No, especially because of like even Freddy versus Jason, he was kind of more funny. Like that was like a horror comedy, you know. So like, yeah, yeah, they tried they tried to make him too funny in a lot of in a lot of the films. I think it's because they wanted to like portray him in a different light. Like, hey, he's not this like big hulking, menacing like monster guy. You know, he's like more relatable because he's funny. So you guys should watch our movies. You know, mm-hmm. so like that, but. Yeah, when Wes Craven does it, he does it right, in my opinion. And, you know, such a great horror franchise, regardless of what you think about the other films. It's, it's iconic. But the first film and A New Nightmare for me, like, stand out. But between those times that he did those two movies, uh, he also had a number of other great hits. He did Serpent in the Rainbow, which I really like, actually. <laughs> he did Shocker, The People Under the Stairs. And then he did New Nightmare. Then he did Vampire in Brooklyn, which is a guilty pleasure of mine. With oh man, Eddie Murphy. That's that's a great fucking movie, bro. Yeah, I I was going to watch it uh, before today, but uh, I didn't have time, unfortunately. So uh. it's 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 sitting in my queue, and I'll be watching it probably, hopefully, within the next couple of days. Oh, dude, so. you're not you're not gonna be disappointed. Eddie Murphy's fucking great. Yeah, I'm, but, I'm uh, looking forward to it. I think now it's time to talk about the more modern success of Wes Craven yeah so 1996 rolls around and Wes Craven drops what will eventually be pretty much the remainder of his career you know he released a couple other cool things my soul to take I don't really I don't really want to talk about my soul to take too much it was very similar to scream like you said before but scream really jump-started an entirely new like brand of slasher yeah. and we, we did an episode on this but uh mr caretaker i know that you're a, a huge fan of scream so i definitely wanted to let you kind of talk about it and like 
share your thoughts on the franchise. Yeah, I uh, I love Scream, and I think I mentioned earlier that I saw it when I was a kid, uh, when it first, you know, shortly after it first came out. Uh, so I was only, you know, six or seven years old, and uh, I loved it. I just watched it over and over and over again. I owned it on VHS, and um, and I didn't get to go see the second one in theaters, but I did uh, buy it as soon as it came out, and I watched that over and over and over Same. again too. Um, and I saw the third one in theaters uh, in 2000 when I was 10. Um, but uh, and I also saw the fourth one in theaters, but I was I'm a lot older now, and I was you know a few years ago. But anyways, going back to the first couple screams, uh, the first one I've probably seen that you know 150 times, 200 times, probably more than that. I, I got I, you know probably maybe 500 times. I don't even know. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I watched that movie religiously, uh, you know, f- five times, six times a year, so uh, at, at least. But it's 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 a it's an amazing film. I just it, you know like you said, it jump started. Uh, a whole new brand of films of uh, of slasher films, a whole new you know, like you know high school age. Um, Samuel, you were talking about it earlier. Oh yeah. Uh, the you know urban legends and uh, I know what you did last summer and all these all these like hip hips you know like very hip new age slasher films that it generated. But Scream itself, uh, it is you know it's it's a great slasher film. It's it has you know all the all the you know necessities that you have to have for you know a great slasher. Has the you know great iconic characters. The iconic. What's your favorite scary movie? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The iconic line. What's your favorite scary movie? From the little Easter eggs, even Wes Craven is in the film himself in the Freddy Krueger sweater. Yeah, the janitor, right? Yeah, the janitor. That was fucking hilarious. That's great, and his name's Fred. Yeah. It's fantastic. It was perfect. I like this. I like it because it's like it's a meta movie too. So like, Mm -hmm. it's like fully conscious of itself this isn't a movie sid <laughs> right and it has you know it has so many uh throwbacks to horror movies and in the genre and just it's so loving to the genre it really itself is. it's just those movies are just just so much fun the characters really like they're 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 just a lot of fun to watch like you know you have what we'll go through the characters we got dewey we got sydney obviously sydney prescott we got gail weathers uh, so just the dynamic between those three characters, oh, yeah. it, it's it's amazing. Just, especially like if you think back to like how they've grown throughout each film. Oh my god! By the time I got to part four, when I watched it, I watched it twenty eleven in theaters. I had to sneak in because I wasn't, you know, oh I was of age, but I snuck in because like, never mind. I just <laughs> I snuck in and I watched Scream Four, bro, and like to still see Sydney, Dewey, and Gale like like working together at all times and like. You feel that, like, because it's 2011, and, like, when, when they first started, it was, like, in the early 90s, so that nostalgia hits you right away, and you see how close they still are, and, like, because this is supposed to be taking place present day, you know, with the cell phones and shit, and, like, and they're still, they're still, like, it seems like it's still, like, the same movie. That's what I like about Screams 1, 2, 3, and 4, like, it never stopped. It, it all feels mm-hmm. like one, one consistent, like, long, long movie, like, about, you know, obviously Sydney, and that's the main focus, but, like, 
that's what I really liked about these movies is like it wasn't like Halloween where like you know in Halloween the mask changes the characters changes same thing in you know the Jason movies Jason's face changes everything changes right the like, look completely is is different but yeah for, for the screen movies it's can been very consistent all the way through exactly the same the same feel with every movie of mm-hmm. course like the other ones might not have like the same mystique behind it oh some killers like targeting Sydney that happened in the first one but there's still like that mystery to it and that's what makes these movies good because like you seriously have no fucking idea what's going on like at all times yeah that's one of my favorite things about the film and I, I think it's actually interesting when you consider that Wes Craven had been doing horror for such a long time and yeah his writing had matured a lot especially when, when you consider something like people under stairs I feel like that's pretty mature writing in comparison to like what he was doing in like the seventies. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's a message. It's, it's kind of a, it's not like a dopey movie or anything, but you know, it's not like one of the iconic horror films of all time, but it's a, it's a good film. Um, but then like come scream, you know, he, he, and he actually said uh, something before uh, in a line when he was talking about the Hills have eyes, he actually, uh, said it soon became clear that I wasn't going to do anything else unless it was scary. Uh, so he accepted that he was a horror director, but he came to scream and he was like, you know what? I'm just going to make this movie. That's basically just like a love letter to horror movies since was, that's all I know. It was so know? good though. Like, it, yeah. It was super smart. And it, was, it was one of the most intelligent like horror movies besides like, you know, behind the mask, the rise of Leslie Vernon. Cause that was like super meta and like, yeah yeah clever yeah but this one was like this influenced so much like i don't think people have any idea how many like it did how many knockoffs this thing inspired to like yeah i do gotta say shout out to kevin williamson who wrote the first second and the fourth he didn't write the third but he did he was right there with wes craven and uh the scripts for these movies are fantastic the dialogue is fantastic one of some of the most witty dialogue in horror films that you've seen to date probably at least i for me yeah i loved randy he was like my favorite mm-hmm. up until he got fucking yeah ruined up. in the second one yeah but he was in the third one he, he for was, a moment he was like he seemed like he was like the like the conscience of the movie you know like he it seemed like to me like he was like what this movie was trying to like get across was was him like his, like what he was saying like was what the movie was trying to tell you like and it, it used it rather explicitly because he's like in horror movies you know and like mm-hmm. and then all that shit started happening like when people would do the wrong thing and he was right you know so mm-hmm. uh, randy is like the the conscience of scream that's why i was so like mad when billy loomis's mom stabbed him up i was like really man out of all the people you couldn't like take like fucking who could he have taken Sid's boyfriend like cause he wasn't even in the fucking the movie after that like he's like ah oh, fuck him he's gone now <laughs> yeah he was in it a little bit he was you know he got stolen by the frat people or the the sorority girls yeah he got shot in the chest the party and yeah then he got shot in the chest in the end sequence that was oh, by the way what what is your favorite end sequence in the franchise I I, I have I, you know I've been thinking about this and it's tough for me, but I gotta say the first one. The first one is, I, it's iconic, like a like a word that I'm using a lot today. But yeah, um, <laughs> it's, okay. it's 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 amazing that 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 end sequence between uh, Billy and Stu, and just the whole the whole whole house party, just from that point forward, from you know when the house party starts, all the way up through the ending is just it's 
some of my favorite you know minutes from any film ever me too and like the build-up up until that party was good so they have scenes where people were like you know well basically sydney she was like getting attacked she'd be at the school bathroom attacked attacked and they weren't really even trying to kill her up until you know the end and that's where we get to that what'd you say like not the climax of this film but that's like where it starts to like like you know like this is like this is the setting for the rest of the movie as soon as it's as soon as it pops up you're like all right it's gonna end here and then you know then then that iconic scene where he's uh billy loomis is just laying on the floor they always come back for one last scare <gasps> and then she just shot him in the fucking head like that's that's the best ending ever because mm-hmm. he was gone he wasn't coming back after that one yeah I, I agree that it was definitely the the best written one and just the best overall i mean the the setting the way that they use the camera on that the character dialogue the twist i mean it wasn't like a super like twist and at the end it was you know we knew that he was going to come back but it, it it was important because i think it made sydney out to like be the badass now which was nice because like that is her character you know at the end of the day and it was kind of a, a cool like anth- antithesis to like his other films because even uh nancy thompson in nightmare on elm street you know yeah she fought freddie but I mean, in like a new nightmare and stuff like that. Like, and even in part three, she was like trying to like coddle these people and like, she, yeah, she was trying to help them, but it's not like she was like Lori now, like, Hey, Freddie, like you son of a bitch. Like I'm ready for you. I can slip into dreams now too, you know, or you <laughs> right? know, something like, the, like that. Like in the third one, she was dead. <laughs> yeah. Well, she not was dead. Like at the end yeah. she was, but you know, but, but I mean, but Sydney, uh, you know, comes out in all the other screams and she's she's a cool character you know like she's been through this but she's ready for it you know yeah and then it starts happening to all these other people like you said she's made out to be a badass and uh and she is she's she kicks ass she's she's she defends herself you know she she knows how to defend herself she's been through this before and she knows what to do and she becomes prepared after you know the the first one and Kind of, kind of like the new Halloween, but mm-hmm. we don't have to d- discuss that right now. Anyways, but the the end sequence between, uh, you know, just the reveal of um, Billy mm-hmm. and Stu to Sydney and who they are and what they did to, you know, or what they say they did to their mom because we all know the ending of the third one. But just all of that information uh, being thrown at us, the audience, and uh, to Sydney, and her like taking that information in and then becoming the person that she she does in the end, uh, putting you know putting the scream cost or the ghost face costume on, yeah. and and giving them a taste of their own medicine, and then you know setting Billy straight on with the last gunshot. She like you know she she is reborn in a kind of way uh, for, you know, the rest of the the, the, the movies, the rest yeah. of the franchise. Like she's ready for more sequels. Like, yeah. Like, the first one just prepared her for what was to come. Because like, mm-hmm. she just gets endless shit and like Ran- shit. And like Randy says, like you said, he's one, he was one of the greatest characters, but he, you know, they always come back. Yeah. They always fucking do. So hopefully we'll get a Scream sequel soon. Yeah, I mean, I watched both seasons of the TV show like this, like immediately. And yeah, I, well, I got nothing. we're supposed to be getting Scream season three. As far as like a fifth one, I don't know. It was actually Wes Craven's last film before 
he uh, passed away was was Scream Four. I think that's a good one to leave off on because I love Scream Four. Um, I think we all, you know, have pretty much the same opinion about it. Uh, but the entire franchise is phenomenal, and yeah, I I, I really think Sydney Prescott's probably like probably the coolest final girl like in my opinion yeah you know and I, I think it was definitely like the way that he wrote her to be you know that badass character because she's not gonna she's not gonna be like all the other slasher you know movie final girls you know she's gonna like know how to defend herself and you know she's gonna know all about what's going on and everything like that so i think it's super cool um and definitely a kind of a different approach to horror in my opinion than like what he had done previously but it was still it was still fun it still carried over a lot of like the same themes with with sex and and everything and violence and everything like that mm-hmm. except it just did it in like a more kind of i don't know kind of like a controlled way but the even the narrative itself was still very like i don't i don't i don't, I don't know a good word to it describe was, it, but it was just more. It was it was more slick, yeah. kind of in, in in that kind of way, and witty as fuck. Yeah, very witty and like just new age, I guess you could say. It was you know hip. It, yeah. had, it had that like you know the hip vibe to it. But um, one thing that we haven't discussed yet about this film is uh, the most iconic thing of all, and that's the intro to the to the movie with Drew Barrymore. Oh yeah, playing Casey Becker getting you know stabbed by ghostface and her boyfriend getting gutted on the porch yeah, turn the porch light on i remember that shit yeah <laughs> and and uh I, one of the you know there, there's a lot of you know from from that whole scene there's a lot of iconic uh you know shots but the the one that really stands out to me is when ghostface is on top of uh casey stabbing her on the porch and she goes to slip his mask off and the camera comes up to his hand right yeah as 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 it's happening so you don't see his face and i just that 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 shot's always stuck with me and i really you know really cool kind of way because i just think that's really clever and just like really creative the way that that was done and uh and a really interesting like terrifying interesting uh way to like portray Ghostface in the opening scene yeah after after you know you see him like stabbing her and everything. Obviously that's terrifying too, but just, you know, like this is the last face that she's ever going to see. We're, we're just going to show you his knife. Right. Yeah. At least she knows who <laughs> killed her. Yeah. The movie had a lot of phenomenal cinematography and I love that entire introduction, especially cause you know, even like him talking to her on the phone, mm-hmm. the dialogue is, is so sharp and witty and excellent. And, immediately off the bat you know that you're watching like a horror movie made by someone who loves horror movies so you're probably gonna love the movie too but you know even this the whole scene itself kind of is like a nod to even like psycho you know killing off someone who you think might be the main character Mm -hmm. in like the first 10 minutes you know and i also really love really love maybe even more than the shot that you described is when it like zooms in really fast on her like hanging from the tree yeah that's a great oh, shot shit, yeah that's, that's a fantastic shot but yeah the the dialogue in the in the opening scene is is 
just some of the best dialogue I've ever heard or like, you know, read on I don't know if you guys have actually read the script, but I have and the script is just it's an amazing read. It's it's like the script is terrifying just just like reading what Ghostface says to her in those moments as it's like, you know, getting deeper and deeper and uh he's asking her the questions and she knows that Steve's out on the porch and uh you know, um he asked her who to name the killer in Friday the Thirteenth. She says Jason, and it was wrong. <laughs> she was wrong. It was it was Mrs. Voorhees. Mrs. Voorhees was the original killer. Oh, she's like, I've watched that movie a hundred times. <laughs> if but, you really watched the original, you would have known that the original killer was Mrs. Voorhees. I remember that shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, when everything changes, when the like, it's just so scary. And then the blue TV and the popcorn. Just those two things, those subtle, yeah. those subtle things that add so much though to the film itself, and the burning popcorn, and the stove, and the parents getting home after, and the, and you know everything's on, and the TV's on, and the glass is now shattered by the blue screen, and it's just like, it it just looks great. It's yeah. just it's just it's very memorable. It really is. Uh, that's that. I remember even uh, watching like <laughs> there was a parody of Scream called Scary Movie. <laughs> opening scene like literally the movie was done basically like shot for shot like scream and it was just like except it was like <laughs> so it's like a meta meta movie and they just added like a shit ton of more comedy but like they they did put a lot of emphasis on that opening scene with like you know it wasn't drew barrymore and like you know scary movie but like they tried to replicate every like part you know from the original like the popcorn and all that stuff that you mentioned they even replicated that in scary movies so you can see like you know people people paid attention to like that that little stuff like the popcorn the parents arriving home and like except scary movie they just added that comedy factor boom not Wes Craven but like you know like it, I'm saying Scream spawned like a lot of like parodies knockoffs and everything and like I think Wes Craven is probably like I would say he's like the most influential director of like the late 90s and early 2000s like that was his whole era because everyone was trying to replicate Scream so fucking hard and like no one did it really well if i know what you did last summer was okay urban legends was good but like the motive was shit you know right. I, th I think scream's like the only film that did it right and that's why like they had to change the direction of slasher films because like no one could replicate scream so they had to change it to like these home invasion slasher movies like the strangers and stuff and that's when horror took a turn people couldn't replicate wes craven so like horror just started like at least slasher started just becoming shit i think because the replicators like did not even come close to what Craven did with Scream. Yeah, he like I said, it was kind of just like his love letter. I feel like, and yeah, he he includes so many elements, not only of his like own work, but just of horror as well. And he was a really smart guy. I was gonna say when we t you were talking about like you know the popcorn and everything like that, he he really knew how to set up a scene to just have a certain like to give you a certain feeling you know and uh i think he did that super well he was a great writer and yeah he was phenomenal he, he will be missed for sure and we could talk about him all day there's there's definitely films that we haven't talked about of his that are a little little lesser known but i'm totally curious to hear what everybody else thinks about Wes Craven what's your favorite Wes Craven movie and do you agree with with the things that we said today 
um, let us know. We can you can reach us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Grave Discussions, and then we also have a website, GraveDiscussions.net, where you'll be hopefully listening to this episode, or you can go check out all of our other stuff as well. Uh, do you guys have any final words on Wes Craven or any particular movie or anything like that? Well, uh, yes. Wes Craven has been missed and will be missed sorely. And uh, his films have made a, an impact on my life and I'm sure many others. Um, a couple that we didn't touch on, uh, I don't think at all, uh, that I, or one that I enjoyed, uh, Red Eye. I, I enjoy that film. Oh, Red Eye was Wes Craven? Guys, but, uh, yeah, it was like 2005 or something. I remember when a little the- bit later in his career too, but I, Red Eye was very enjoyable for me. Um, I really liked that one for, you know, one of his later films, not, you know, super horror based. It's kind of, you know, a thriller Mm -hmm. more so, I guess, suspense thriller, but still, uh, you know, a lot of tension in that one. And I, I I really liked that one too. Yeah. Cillian Murphy was, uh, was, I I think he Mm -hmm. had a great role in that film. I'll say, I'll say that. Believable as the weirdo. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, he he in general just looks like a weirdo. I can so, remember Scarecrow. You know. Even he from fucking uh, Batman Begins. He did a great job with that. And like, I remember when he got stabbed in the throat with the pen in this movie, and he pulled it out. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, that's the one thing I remember from this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. It's a good one. And then I don't, I've I've seen Cursed. That's another one, but I I don't think I was a big fan of that one. I don't. I think I think it was all right, but I don't think I was like huge on it cursed what was it about um i think christina ricci's in it right yeah okay um, i think i know which one you're talking about yeah it's, it's, it's a werewolf it's, one yeah werewolves but um yeah i it was all right from what i remember i haven't seen it since it came out though so i can't really speak too much about that one but overall yeah Wes craven definitely uh made a big, big impact on you know my my film life yeah same for me honestly like i said nightmare on elm street was like one of the first horror movies i really ever watched so that kind of has a special place in my heart and i love scream i love the hills have eyes really i i love all of his movies you know like the two franchises that he's best known for are like two of my favorites um but he's a phenomenal like all-around filmmaker and i think he really has like a solid place in horror uh for a number of reasons like just how creative his films are but also like the themes that he explored you know he's kind of like notorious almost for like exploring so many of those kind of exploitation themes you know with with such a focus on sex and violence and then the combination of the two and and everything like that and still showed through like his later movies you know so and, and a lot of movies have adapted many of those themes uh, so yeah, last thing for me, yeah, he's, he's phenomenal and, um, I'm definitely going to be watching something this Halloween, uh, of Wes Craven, probably Nightmare on Elm Street. I want to, I really want, I want you guys to watch my soul to take because I don't know, you might not like the end, but I, I've like, seen it before, but it's been a while. It's, 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 I've watched it, I think like two months ago, just like, just to catch up like, and on like some old stuff I used to watch and like. It really had like this, like you know, I know what you did last summer slash scream ish presence to it, and like, I enjoyed it. Was that like 2010? Was that the last movie he made? Um, no, he did Scream Four. Oh after yeah, that, yeah and 2011. That, that was the last one. Yeah. So, 
yeah, really sad, but it, my soul to take is definitely a good one too. Very much in the same kind of vein as Scream, and you know that's that's kind of what what he was doing at those later years of his life, but because he 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 really understood the genre. I feel like yeah, you know mm-hmm. that's that's why he was so successful. I think I still have my Scream Four ticket from when I went to go see it. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> but yeah, Scream this. Um, Wes Craven, his uh, I'll definitely be watching uh, Screen like probably all of them again. Fuck yes, I always do. Uh, and then A Nightmare on Elm Street, of course. I do uh, really enjoy the People Under the Stairs too. And I haven't the seen themes it all the way explored through. in that movie are very interesting. Mm-hmm. They're dark. I I haven't seen My Soul to Take yet, but I definitely plan on watching that one. Uh, Sounds really cool. I always wanted to see it, but I just never seeked it out. I guess it's. I like. I like the killer guys in that one. You'll you'll, you'll like it. Like, yeah, it's it's pretty interesting, but I think that pretty much is uh, all the time that we have for this particular episode. So I want to again thank the caretaker for uh, being on this episode with us. We we hope to have you back again. Of course, if there's anything else that. Uh, you want to say go ahead if you want to plug I don't know social media or anything go for it uh, well uh, thank you thank you guys very much for having me on the show today hell yeah I appreciate it it's awesome it's awesome to be here I am the caretaker and uh, you can find me like like Barnabas said we are on social media uh, Clean Slate Productions um, you can check us out on Facebook so thanks once again And that's going to wrap it up here for episode number 31. Tune in next week for episode 32, where we bob for apples on grave discussions. This has been an SRD production.